I'm Jesha Jeff, and I am a mindfulness and meditation practitioner, author, as well as an inspirational speaker. And this is In Conversation with the Masters. And in this series, I will be in conversation with open-minded, open-hearted, and conscious living people from across the globe who will be answering some of life's most profound questions. And today, I have the honor and privilege of sitting with and having a conversation with Alison Coates, who is the founding member of Revo, as well as a Genos Certified Emotional Intelligence Practitioner and a Life Coach. Alison holds a degree in industrial psychology and has over 25 years of experience in business change management consultancy and project management. So all of these drive Revo's mission to collaborate with and build teams of professionals that use outcomes-driven methods of coaching and learning to create impactful results and inspire sustainable progress. Alison, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Hitesh. It's really great to speak to you again. Been looking forward to today. Mm -hmm. We are going to be talking primarily about emotions because I know that is what you specialize in. So maybe we'll start there and then we'll mm -hmm. see how the, how the conversation evolves. And I know part of your name, Revo, is about revolution or maybe evolution. Is that right? Where does the name Revo come from? It's exactly as you say. So, you know, naming something is, is quite difficult because a name often has, it, you know, the name can imply certain things to certain people. So it took me a long time, it took me about six, seven months to actually decide on a name. Mm -hmm. I knew what I didn't want it to be. And then you have to think about what you do want it to be. But I knew that my business was about change and not just change for change's sake and not just change on one day and then a month later we go back to where we were before really thinking about the type of change that drives um, growth that drives motivation that drives engagement and that's the kind of change that is in my mind when i was thinking about it how i would describe that revolutionary because it's it's it is it has that sense of dramatic like it's dramatic isn't it but in a positive way mm -hmm. and um i then so revolution was the word that was playing around in my mind for some time and it then just struck me to use much like we do with our own names i'm allison but i'm often called ali mm -hmm. you know we we have a shortening of it so revo comes from the first four letters in revolution or revolutionary so that's yes so the name itself implies change and i know that you like to use the preposition of re you always mm. use you know those two letters re with a lot mm. of uh, the words that you use to describe your business and i'm uh, and when you mention revo i'm thinking oh, i have this image of this arrow that has to be sort of pulled back in order to really move forward do you align with that kind of thinking that you know sometimes we have to go back in order to 
uh, actually go forward to rebuild. Well, isn't yes? Isn't that the definition of what resilience is? So resilience is about being able to bounce back, but yes. in the same at the same stage as bouncing back, you're not just yeah. stuck in this space of inertia of not yeah. being able to do anything. It's actually you move you're bouncing back from that stressful, negative, challenging experience. So you've bounced back from it, but at the same time, you are moving forward into a new, more empowering, productive, powerful space. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it is. It's about, I love that analogy of the bow and arrow, of being pulled back so that it can move forward. And often that, that pulling back is taking stock. It's thinking about, where am I? What is, what is the status quo right now? What is driving the challenge, the stress, the negativity? That's, that's mm. the pulling back. Where, where is this coming from? What trigger? All those questions. Um, what values? What belief yes. system? All of that is that pulling back of the arrow. And then being in order that we gain the knowledge, we gain the wisdom. So our next first step can be more productive, empowering, powerful. So I'm going to just maybe pull you back a bit because mm-hmm. we need to talk about resilience, but maybe a little later on, because that is something that is the power word of the decade resilience. <laughs> and I know that you specialize in this as well. So let's start with emotions. Let's, let's start there and let's see where this goes. Now I, I know that we are emotional beings and not only that I have this belief that we are human beings that are emotional drug addicts. You can forget coffee, you can forget all the other drugs that are out there, but I believe human beings are most addicted to our, our emotions. So mm-hmm. we are always chasing some kind of emotion to feel good. Either we want to feel love, or we want to feel happiness, or we want to feel excited. We are chasing all of these emotions. And we also know that adverts also play in a way to trigger some kind of emotional response to get us to buy things. So are you able to unpack for us what are emotions and why are they important and how do they drive our lives? I will repeat those questions if, if we need to, but what do you have to say? Sure. What are emotions? Yeah. So it all comes down to biology. It's all about, it's, and I can speak about this for a very, for a long time because I get quite excited when I start getting into this topic. But it's, it's the science of neuroscience. It's the science of the brain. You know, we are, our brain is our most important organ in our body. Some people might say according to the brain, but yes, it is the most important organ in our body. <laughs> it is there it is there every single day looking out for us. It's there primed for our survival. And the brain, I'm just going to speak very, 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 at a very simple level. Every single day, the brain, our brain, is looking out for whether or not an event, uh, uh, a chance meeting with somebody, a conversation with somebody, an experience is safe or dangerous. Our brain is primed to look for that. It's the first thing that happens 
And these decisions are made five times a second. I'm going to say that again, five times a second, not five, not every five seconds, five times in a second. Our brain is saying, even like me with you now, my brain right now is saying, is this a safe environment, a dangerous environment? Is this safe, dangerous? Do I feel accepted? Don't I feel accepted? Does this, does Hitesh feel like he's part of my team? Does he feel outside of my team? All of these questions, we, they're at an unconscious level, but it's there for our survival. It's primed for our survival. So the first thing that happens is at an emotional level, our brain decides safe or dangerous. If it's safe, then we feel thing, then it feels like a meaningful experience. It feels happy. It feels engaging. If it's dangerous, it might feel threatening. It might feel stressful. It might feel uncertain. So the first thing that happens is our brain makes these decisions based on years and years, our, uh, for me, years and years, because um, you know, I'm not five now, I'm a different age, but my history, my already always listening for an event, um, my past experiences, all those experiences, they build up and they form those triggers, those primes that our brain is looking out for. And once that decision has been made five times a second, that information is then passed from your emotional side of the brain through to your thinking side of the brain. If that emotion is on a positive safety, it's meaningful, it's exciting, it's engaging, then the thinking brain will think about it in terms of, well, this is a, this is a good experience or this is an experience that I can easily engage in. And then what happens is science tells us that when we're in this positive frame of mind, the decisions and the behaviors that we then adopt are far more expansive. They are far more um, uh, productive, positive in nature versus that person that's had that dangerous, stressful experience, their thinking brain will go into a different decision-making and option, have different options around the behaviors that they take. They tend to be more linear in fashion. They tend to be more reactive rather than responsive, which is a more positive way to behave. So it all comes down to biology. And this is this activity happens for our survival. The brain is looking for that saber-toothed tiger about to come and bite us. And it's, it comes down to biology and our own survival. So why are we so primed to always be looking out for that happy experience, that satisfying experience? Because it makes us feel good. And we get, all, we get a rush of all of those feel-good hormones. And, and that's what drives our, our activities. That's what drives our decision-making and our behaviors. Some of them, most of the time we know, are driven at an unconscious level. We know that we are actually only conscious 15% of the time, 85% of the time, we are making our decisions and our behaviors are so rote fashion. There's such a habit. And so we need to learn the art of becoming more self-aware so that we can understand the different triggers 
so that we can understand the different things that are driving our decisions and our behaviors so that we can go after more of the positive, empowering behaviors. Because sometimes always chasing that carrot, whatever it might be, maybe the carrot is always chasing love in different ways or always chasing happiness in different ways. It might not always be positive in nature. We know this. People chase things perhaps sometimes um, for the wrong reasons. But it's, they are because of the way that our, our brains work and the triggers work and the way that we are primed, only 15% of the time are they actually even conscious of why they are chasing yes. those emotions and those feelings. Yeah. Well, if you're having our brain make a decision five times a second, I'm pretty sure that we are not conscious of most of, you know, those reasonings. Yeah. or you know, uh, um, all of those filters that uh, are yeah. happening behind the scenes. And but when, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, and that's why it's so important, the work that you do around mindfulness, because mm. being able to be present, being able to be more mindful, uh, helps us to start to notice what is happening in the moment, identify the trigger, and then also start to understand and identify the patterns that we have in our day, in our lives, yes. so that we can unravel them where we need to, to support ourselves in having a more empowering, a more powerful experience. You mentioned that a human being is looking at a situation and trying to decide whether the situation is safe for me or whether it's mm. not safe for me. But that reminds me of, or that makes me think that that is a very, that is a, that is a very primitive brain that we have. Is it not time for us to now evolve? Because we should not be in that state of fight or flight, you know, looking out for that tiger that's going to be coming out to pounce us because we don't live in that reality anymore yet we are still operating from that uh, state. Surely we cannot be now living in this day and age after thousands and thousands of years of, of having been around. Surely we can't only be operating from a purely biological uh, space. Don't we need to bring in now the emotional side of it, the mental side of it, as well as the spiritual side of it? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think some people are better able to do that because they have the self-discipline to do the work, to have, to do the, to make sure that they're doing the daily habits that somebody who is more self-aware, aware of others can have more authentic conversations, all of these more emotionally intelligent behaviors. So some people are better able to do that than others. I don't say that in a derogatory sense, because I mm. also believe that we don't know what we don't know until we know it. So we're not taught any of this at school. We're not taught any of this in our education. It's really only when we stumble and knock our head a few times, or if we are fortunate enough to grow up in the kind of family that teaches us these good self-discipline behaviors, 
So it's only really through life experiences or through being curious enough to go down the path and learn for yourself that we understand and learn a different way of being. Because we must remember that it's important for our brain to be that reptilian brain, to be looking out for survival for us. Because otherwise we wouldn't be able to function as humans. We, we would, we would, if the brain didn't work the way that it did, if it wasn't working at an unconscious level, and if it wasn't looking out for the safety or danger, we would be walking around constantly surprised. We would, because I would, you know, I wouldn't know, like you've just laughed at me right now, but I know that you're laughing at what I just said. So that's appropriate. If I didn't have that unconscious already, you know, I already understand the the concept of comedy and of, of somebody having a laugh of what I've said. Otherwise I'd be like, Oh, he's just laughed at me. Now what? (laughs) So, You know, there's, it, it has a role to play, but I also believe that we, we can learn the skills and learn the, yeah, we can learn this, we can, we can learn the skills, we can apply the techniques and the tools that will help us to become more conscious about the decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I think. And out. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Sorry, Hitesh. Yeah. No, I, I just wanted to share what you uh, uh, just said, that mm-hmm. how nice it would be if we had a course in school or just a subject mm-hmm. in school, how to manage our internal state, our mental state, our emotional state, because mm-hmm. we are taught how mm-hmm. to organize other things in our life externally, but we never thought how to keep this house clean on the inside. And it would be great if we had that kind of. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, you only know what you know when you know it. And, and some, somebody would have guided you down that path, be it if, like I said, like if you were fortunate enough, a parent or a teacher or somebody influential in your life, or you have grown up with a growth mindset where you are always looking for answers. You're curious. You're happy to learn different ways of doing things. You're happy to practice. You're happy to fail. You're happy to ask for feedback. You're happy to understand how other people perceive you. So there's a lot of factors that come into play here. Uh, the, The bottom line for me though, and I say this, on all of my courses that I do around resilience is what resilient people do is not special. We have to realize that we all are, we all have pockets of resiliency and we've all done resilient things over our lifetime. What we need to recognize is that what resilient people do is they have the self-discipline to put into practice on a regular basis, the things that, resilient people do like mindfulness practice um, a, a healthy lifestyle maintaining connection with other human beings lots there's lots of different things that help us to become more resilient in our lifetime i know the work that i do involves people not being 
emotional. And if you take the word emotion, the last three letters of that word is I-O-N, which mm -hmm. is an iron. Mm. And an iron is an, is an atom that has a charge to it. Mm. And because it has a charge to it, it's a little bit unstable. It might be positive or it might be negative. And I try to, or, or I support people in not being emotional where they are moving up and down this curve, like going on a roller coaster, but to be just traveling around, uh, just traveling along that straight road. Mm -hmm. And I know part mm -hmm. of the work you do is to get people from feeling those emotional highs and those uh, lows as well, but just to be able to be in a state of equanimity. But why are we always wanting to feel those high states of emotions? Because what goes up must come down, and that's when people crash. Why, do, why are we addicts to, this, to these emotions? And is there a way that we can uh, overcome this addiction? It's like any addiction, I suppose. It's that feel-good factor. It's those hormones that make us feel good, even if it's just in, in that second that it happens. You know, the, that instant feeling of that buzz that we get from the positive emotion. Some people get a buzz from the negative emotions too. Don't worry. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's that trigger that happens, isn't it? So, yes, and I, I have to agree with you. It's, it's about... It's not, it's about not, it's about that taking that emotional charge out of the conversation that you're having, out of the experience that you're having. Yes. So uh, as I was saying, you know, it's about taking that emotional charge out of the, the experience or the conversation, whatever's going on at that point in time. And the, what we teach, what you and I teach in different ways is just about noticing the emotion noticing what's going on in that moment what's going on for me right now in this moment noticing it without any judgment or without any criticism or self-loathing or anything like that it's really just about noticing it in that moment and allowing yourself to move on like we said in the beginning move forward mm. um, so yes that's that for me i would agree with you it is about the appropriateness of the response in that moment. And for me, the language, that's the language that I would use. The response is driven by an emotion, isn't it? So yes. um, it is about helping our clients to understand and to, to come down or to come up from those very extreme emotions where they are not appropriate in that, in that setting. I am certain that you've had the experience of peace, joy, bliss, love, and contentment. I'm sure you had those experiences. Yeah. And as someone who does this kind of work, I feel that you would agree with me, but I need to ask you, do you agree with me? Mm. That those um, emotions, those are far more powerful and far more expansive than the 
feel good emotions that we are chasing, the excitement, the happiness, you know, those emotions, those neutral emotions is what I call them because they're not high. They, they, they don't take you on a high or a low. They are just mm. there. Silence, mm, okay. stillness, mm. uh, bliss. All of those are non-emotional. They are neutral. They're not charged. They are not an iron. So would you agree that, you know, we sold this idea that we need to chase happiness, but I think peace and stillness is not as sexy. It's not, we are not able to market peace and joy as much as we are able to market excitement and happiness. Would you agree? Well, yes, meet the media would definitely answer that question for both of us because the media is enticing us to those states of excitement, of extreme happiness. I, I might argue that everything is on, a, is on a scale, isn't it? I could be happy in the moment. And it, for me, my experience of what happiness is could be quite a peaceful experience of happiness versus another person could also experience happiness, but their experience of happiness is like a supercharged rocket and they're all over the place. Mm. So whilst I do agree with you that there are those, there are emotions that are neutral and it's good neutral in terms of the, of the, um, yeah, the, the charge that they hold. I also, I also think that emotions are quite personal and for me, I always, I always encourage my clients to really think about what does this mean for me? How does this show up for me? How am I being when I'm being X, happy, joyful, peaceful? Um, because we interpret things quite differently and it's really important to understand how does this show up for me so that I know when I'm being happy, if I'm that person who's scoring like number 20 on the scale of 0 to 10, that how that might um, be perceived or experienced by somebody else where happiness is only a one or a two. It's really important to understand awareness of self and awareness of others. So yes, I do, there, I do think that there are those emotions where things flow better and things seem to be more aligned, but I have a sense that they might be more personally driven in terms of how the person perceives them. Do you understand what I'm trying to say there? Mm, yeah, I do. I do. I think, and this comes back to the, this comes back to the question that I asked, what are emotions? Because I've spent many years trying to understand this thing. Is it something that comes because as you were sharing, sharing that something happens on the outside and we have a response mm. or a reaction to that, therefore it will trigger some kind mm. of emotional reaction or response? Or is it, yeah. is it when you eat like a banana, you feel happy because you release all of those um, serotonin in your bloodstream. Do emotions, do, do they come from the inside? Or can they be put into our body, either by eating a banana or by even smoking weed 
because you know there's this there there's actually this running joke that says if the whole world smoked weed at one time they will be world peace so <laughs> are emotions something that that we can put into our body through the uh, ingestion of food or even psychedelics or are we the only source of it uh what is what are emotions where does it come from is it a chemical is it spiritual what is it well i would say that there are emotions that are spiritual um and yeah i'd not i had not actually really thought about it in the context of what you were saying right now Hitesh, in terms of mm. is an emotion something that we could ingest that's an interesting idea what i do know though is that when we are in when we are looking after ourselves from a holistic wellness perspective uh, we are eating good food we are practicing good sleep hygiene we are practicing good lifestyle hygiene like we are doing some exercise every day we are looking after the words that we use the language that we use when we're practicing all these good habits um our body is better able to relate respond it's not overly tired it's not overly taxed by having to digest lots of really rich foods or sugar dense foods so there's more energy in the body to be able to deal with day to day activities and because we've got more energy in the body to be able to deal with all these day to day activities we're making better decisions and we're acting more appropriately in the moment because our body is not only in that fight and flight mode it's also in the thrive space so i do believe that the decisions we make on a daily basis in terms of our habits our activities our lifestyle choices will ultimately affect our ability to be able to have appropriate emotional responses um yeah so yes eating a banana that's full of potassium and all these and all the healthy things would be good for the body good for the digestion good for the gut so you could i suppose you could say that it could it would affect how your your emotion your emotional responses um later on in that day or in the weeks ahead like yeah, i know I, for I myself just, mm -hmm. yeah I know for myself if I've had a been away for a weekend and we've had late nights and we've not really necessarily watched mm -hmm. making you know had all our veggies we haven't done any exercises I actually feel tired I feel drained I feel not able to make I re react to things I get irritated more quickly yeah. than if I've been looking after myself I just wanted to also add to that by saying that I know that when i do not take my vitamin b12 jab mm -hmm. which i take every now and again i become very low i mm. feel sad in fact I, in fact i will go as mm. far as to say i actually feel i feel a bit depressed and there was you know one time where i taken my b12 jab and suddenly i just felt this rush of i just felt good I feel happy and I felt like I was smiling and laughing and joking again. 
And mm-hmm. I also know that when I'm hungry, and if, if I haven't eaten, if I skip lunch, I become really annoying and I start just, you know, shouting at people. If I don't sleep as well, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm just not the best person to be around. So I think people also need to not just think, oh, it's all in my head. I'm just a completely, un, um, a completely emotionally unintelligent. Whereas we are mm-hmm. multifaceted. We are emotional physical, spiritual, we are all of this and we need wellness in all of those areas. 100%. And a lot of this, because it's, it can be demonstrated, like we, 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 could, we could say, um, let's think of an example. You know, how well does Alison demonstrate her ability to manage her moods on a day-to-day basis? You know, we can... I can ask people that on a scale of one to 10, how well do you think I demonstrate managing my moods? How well do you think I demonstrate being able to make ethical decisions? There's, you know, there's lots of, we can demonstrate all of these things. When we can demonstrate something, we can measure it. And when we can measure it, we can improve it. So just because somebody listening to this uh, recording or on your, on one of your forums a little bit later might think, Oh, but I'm all in my head all the time. I don't have any of these things. It's not to say that that's how you have to always be because we know that with a little bit of self-discipline with some lifestyle changes, which comes back to the habits and the self-discipline again and Mm -hmm. doing the things that, that people who are, um, in a more powerful, empowering, positive frame of mind. I'm trying not to use the word, always use the, you know, the big emotionally intelligent uh, words and language. Mm. But if we can adopt some of these practices in our own lives, then we can look to these, some of these behaviors ourselves and find out how we in our own life, in our own context, can look to improve them, enhance them, and bring more of those type of behaviors and experiences into our lives. When we meet people, the first thing we say is hi, or Mm. greet in whichever way, good morning. Mm. And then there's famous three words that follow. How are you? Mm. And when I was thinking about having this conversation with you, I was thinking about emotions because I know this is what you specialize in. And I got to thinking something that I never thought about before. Why do we say, how are you? And I started thinking, is that the right question to ask? How? How are you? Because should it not be, or should it not also be, why are you, or what are you, or where are you? So, mm. and we also can't ask the question, how are you, without being prepared to spend 10 minutes listening to how this person is. I think we are very rude because I would just come to you and ask you, Alison, how are you? And you would answer with just one word, good. And then you were just, just to be not rude, 
and not just you, but everybody else does this, right? Just to not be rude, you would also ask, oh, I'm good, how are you? So it's a very short response. I'm good, I'm good. Let's carry on with the conversation. So first of all, we are not being true. We are not being honest when we answer that question because nobody is just good. I've, I've, I've never in any moment, I will very rarely have, I've been, yeah, I'm good. What does it mean to be good? You know, there's, there's no context, there's no color, there's no explanation, there's no story. So are we asking the right, firstly, are we asking the right question? How are you? Or should we not be asking why, what, or who? So I think it's, it's, just a, it's just a habit, isn't it? We say, how are you? Yeah. Fine. How are you? Fine. And, and we move on. I think we've, we've unlearned how to be curious enough to really inquire as to how somebody is because it's become so much part of our, you know, let's get over the formalities and let's get down to the thing we need to do today. And yes, perhaps, uh, perhaps asking how are you doing or are you okay ought to be followed up by why or, oh, that's quite interesting. What's going on for you? Mm-hmm. And if somebody says good, maybe we need to be vulnerable enough to say to them, what does good mean for you? How, how does good, sh- what, what's good? What is good? And I also think we've just, we take the easy road. Yeah. So we, you know, we know that if you give somebody a multiple choice question with five options, they're going to choose number three more often than not. <laughs> okay. Wow. And it's the same with us saying, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm all right. I'm okay. Because it's just the easy, it's easy. And, and so that's the second thing. And then the third thing is, I also believe that we, we feel too embarrassed, shy, awkward, uneasy, um, insecure to say how we really feel. Yeah. So it's easier for us not to have to be vulnerable in the moment and just say, I'm fine. And, and, and this and is us, why, yes, yeah. No, 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 okay. carry on. No, I just want I was gonna to say. say <laughs> you see, okay, go, go, you go. and I are doing it already. We're doing it already. We're like, our mindful listening is completely terrible. Yes. Don't, yes. if you're listening to this recording, don't follow what we're doing here because we keep interrupting each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. All I was going to say is, um, I've recently, um, somebody's recently been started asking me, which is quite nice, what would you like to express? So rather than saying, how are you? They say to me, what would you like to nice. express? And it's quite a nice way of saying it, isn't it? Mm. So it's a different way. Yeah. So you've, uh, you've answered the question. Instead of saying, how are you? It's such an emotional, intelligent response to say, what would you like to express? That is yeah. so beautiful. I really, really love that. Of course, if, you go, if, if I start doing that, people would look at me like I'm weird. But I think we need, this is the whole part of the, um, it's time for us to now really, really evolve to asking mm. this, uh, these questions. Because yeah. a part of asking, how are you? And 
taking time or making time to have the person express themselves is a part of or is a sign that you are an emotional intelligent person because you are displaying that empathy you are showing that you care you are showing that you love and you are acknowledging this other human being that is mm. that is there mm. yeah yeah and and i and i also think that you know as you mentioned the the, the what i was trying to say while you were speaking and i was trying to speak mm. over you is that we are sold this idea that we must feel good all the time and that we and we attach this negative sort of connotation or this negative label if we are feeling sad or, or we are feeling depressed and even the most successful people in the world have days in which they are down and i think we need to speak more about that that it's okay mm-hmm. to not be okay yeah absolutely and 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 that comes down to that whole that whole fact of having authentic conversations and being vulnerable enough in fact mm. it's that it's similar to what Brené Brown says isn't it it's having the courage to be vulnerable yeah so those two you know it's quite important there and i do think that the more we encourage people to be authentic about how they are feeling um the more we will start to be able to have far more powerful conversations with each other far more meaningful conversations with each other and i don't mean we always have to go and solve world peace or work out how to do you know crazy scientific things in terms of having deep and meaningful conversations but just really being able to be honest with each other about how one is feeling because to feel down on a day is fine to feel down on a few days is fine but when you're when you are feeling down consistently that is not good and you need to be able to share that with someone else yeah i always allow myself time to feel down i always give myself a time like if i'm feeling sad then i say to myself for the next 2 hours i am going to feel sad and i'm going to do mm. a damn good job about feeling sad in the next 2 hours because after that it's over that's just uh okay. the method that i use i i give myself the permission and the time to feel sad yeah. and i do it yeah you know it's absolutely and it's exactly what i did in fact i did it last week tuesday i don't know what happened I I'm quite proud of myself. I got to 32 days of lockdown without feeling down. And on Tuesday last week, which was day 32, or 33, I don't know. I I woke up and the world was just not how it was for the previous 32 days. Yes. And by the time I got to lunchtime, I thought to myself, this is just really being silly. I was so distracted. Everything distracted me. My mood, I couldn't concentrate and it just goes to show how your emotions are so powerful. and i'm quite a disciplined person so for me to be distracted by my emotions i was really disturbed by that and then i also just decided just just be okay with it for one day one day out of 33 days and i did i was i just decided that that was my journey for tuesday last week and then when i woke up on wednesday morning i immediately got into my normal action 
So I got up, I made sure I did my exercise in the morning. I made sure that I had my healthy breakfast. I made sure that I did uh, my journaling for the morning. I made sure that I set a schedule for myself for the day so that I worked my schedule. So I woke up on Wednesday morning intentional and I made sure that I did the things that work for me. I know what works for me to get me out of a slump, but I allowed myself to have Tuesday to feel in that space. Yeah. We are approaching the hour of this conversation. So it's time to actually sure. round up this, but I want to spend another 10 minutes with you if you would allow, because I have a few more questions. Sure. In fact, I have enough questions in my head right now to speak to you for like another hour, but let's stick to the 10 minutes. We could always do part two. We could always oh, do yes. part two. Yes. If you would love to hear from Alison again, please leave a comment below so that we can actually get her back. And she has mentioned that we want to do a part two and I would love to have you back because this is such an important topic. But Alison, I would like to ask you if you could give a definition in maybe two or three sentences. What is emotional intelligence and why it is important? Sure. So it's a very basic definition again. You can go to the textbook, you can go to Google, you can look up what emotional yeah. intelligence means. And remember that my context that I work in is mainly in corporates. So the language will probably sound a little bit corporate, but we can apply it outside of corporates as well. Okay. Being emotionally intelligent is about, here it is, about making emotionally intelligent decisions in a negative or stressful or challenging situation. That's perfect. Should I repeat it? Yes, yes, please. It's about making emotionally intelligent decisions in a negative or stressful or challenging situation. And that is exactly what I do as well. It's about being still while you are surrounded by the chaos. Mm. And, uh, because we must yeah. remember that what emotionally intelligent people mm. do and are they are self-aware, so they tend to be more present. They have awareness of others, so they have empathy. They are able to have authentic conversations with people. So they, they have an element of vulnerability about them. Um, you know, there's, there's characteristics that define those behaviors that people with this tagline of emotional intelligence tend to have. They are far more productive behaviors versus the non-productive behaviors where you are distracted, you are temperamental, you are, um, you know, you're not motivated or you're not, in, you're not mo able to motivate or inspire yourself or other people. It's at a very basic level. How has the technology of, of virtual reality and social media impacted our ability to be emotionally intelligent? Has it or has it not? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think we need to be more emotionally intelligent in our digital world because when outside of the, outside of the digital space, we're faced with the, with, the, with the tangible human. The body language is there. 
the eye contact is easier to make. Um, we're not hearing a digital voice, we're hearing the natural voice. It's very easy to pick up on people's cues so you can build that awareness of, of others. In this digital space, we have to be more emotionally aware of what's going on. It's very easy to become disconnected from the other person on the other side of a camera because we're looking into a camera, we're not looking into their eyes. We can't see mm. half of the body language. So I think we need to develop, let me put it this way, I think we need to um, fine tune these behaviors a little bit more than we would do in the normal day-to-day -day workings. I think you've answered a question that I had in my mind also about what makes us human. Because as you mentioned, we are, when we phone, if we make a phone call, we are speaking to a robot. We have AI everywhere now. We're not interacting with human beings anymore. And emotions, whether they are good or bad, still make us human beings. It's how we, mm. it's how we know that we are human beings because we have those emotions. Mm. Because mm. robots can be really intelligent. But I don't think any robot is going to be emotionally intelligent mm -hmm. to have that ability, to have empathy. No robot will mm. have that. No, 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 absolutely. So yes, it becomes, you know, they've done, Gallup did some studies many, many, many years ago about the fourth industrial revolution and what competencies and behaviors and skills will become more important in this time. And their study back then, which was quite several years ago now, said that in 2020, this is the list of, of behaviors and skills that becomes important. And emotional intelligence is, was number six in the list. So with AI and with everything becoming far more technology-driven, we do need to remember that as humans, we've, the edge that we have are our emotions, our ability to make those emotional decisions in the moment. The robot, the piece of AI technology is running a script. Yeah. I'm not sure whether those scripts are able to, to at this stage in our development of AI, you know, you never know what could happen in, with time, and what, what clever scientists or technologists might come up with. But I don't believe that we could program a robot to feel the emotions that we would feel on a day-to-day -day basis, given the huge range of emotions that we are. They might be able to act as if they are happy and act mm -hmm. as if they are sad, but is it, is it authentic? Don't know. Yeah. But the more you speak, the more I think, are we still talking about AI or are we actually talking about human beings? Because you mentioned the word script, AI is running a script. And I mean, I work with hundreds, thousands of people and so have you. And you know that people are just running on this, like a script. And you know, and, we, and yeah. not many human beings feel we don't feel, we don't take the time to feel, to properly feel. There's a plethora of emotion. I, I, I've been to your workshop. 
um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was sometime last year. And you gave us... Reawaken You. Re, yes, Reawaken. It was such a powerful, beautiful workshop. And I managed to shift Thank just you. from the two hours mm-hmm. that you spent. Uh, I just enjoyed mm-hmm. this. You know, I'm very lucky and very blessed that I made the decision. It was the right one to, to, to come. And you gave us this list of emotions, which I didn't, did not even know we had this range of emotions. So we need to educate ourselves. So Alison, just in closing, why would somebody need to come to you? Because I know that you offer, that you have so much of value to offer the world. But to anybody listening here, why would somebody reach out to you for support? People would reach out to me for support because they know and they believe that they, they, that there is a different experience for them to be had either in their personal lives or in their professional lives. So I, what I, what I love to do is help people to understand how they are feeling, but also help people to understand how um, other people experience them. So people would come to me because they really believe that there is a different experience, a more productive, a more empowering experience for them, either in their personal or professional life. And I can also share with everybody watching or listening that Alison really is one of the best life coaches that you're going to find out there. <laughs> so if you, if you ever Thank want you. to get your ducks in a row, if you ever want to become much more emotionally wise or intelligent, speak to Alison, have a conversation with her. And I know that you offer a 30-minute uh, uh, complimentary session to people. So try yes. Alison out and uh, yeah. you never know great. how your life can change. Yeah, it's great to connect with people and just talk, even if it is just for the 30 minutes. So. I will, I will, I have an online calendar. People are welcome to book slots in that calendar themselves. It's, and I welcome those opportunities. I, I get quite excited to speak to different people and hear where they're at, see what they're up to. Where do we find you, Alison, online? So, right, you can find my website is www.revoconsultantsingle.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Revo Consultant, all one word, R-E-V-O, and then Consultant. And uh, yeah, those are the two platforms mainly. And then on LinkedIn, I'm Alison J. Coates. One L, a J in the middle, and an E at the end of Coates. So we, maybe we could just type it up in the comments. because yes, I will. It's quite a, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of vowels in my name. <laughs> I will do that for you, Alison. Alison, thank you so much for making time to have this conversation. It's been really wonderful and uh, emotionally opening to hear you you speak and to share. Uh, And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much, Atesh. It's been great. I've loved every second of today's conversation. Great. And thank you for watching or listening. If you love this conversation, please share it with your friends or family. And if you love to hear from Alison, please leave a comment in 
the comment section below. Uh, so until our next conversation, bye now. Thank you.